Welcome to the Lead with Empathy podcast. I am your host, Holly Logan, and here we are going to have meaningful and hopefully some fun conversations about motherhood, parenthood, illness, disease, physical and mental wellness, nutrition, and beyond. And as the title implies, we lead here with empathy. With that said, let's dive into the episode. Welcome back to the Lead with Empathy podcast. Today, we're going to talk to Alexa, a Texas mama with her master's in nutrition, a certified postpartum doula and pediatric sleep consultant. I get asked about sleep all the time, both privately and when I was practicing professionally. I was honest with Alexa when we first connected that I'm actually not a big supporter of sleep training, mainly because I don't like the word training, but also as a mom who had many sleep struggles with her babies, I feel that a lot of sleep training programs are a one-size-fits-all approach. And when those approaches don't work, or when they didn't work for me, they made me feel like I was somehow inadequate or something was wrong with me or my babies. And now come to find out they did have some medical things that were complicating sleep. But I did tell her prior to the interview, and we do go into this, that I understand why we as mothers feel the need to sleep train. And I don't judge families at all who make that decision. I just believe that society makes it hard enough as mothers, but I wanted her to come on with her perspective. And she is definitely not a one size fits all type of lady. Alexa provides sleep consultant services with the attention of taking care of mom too. And she had a very difficult postpartum experience that we will get into. This led to sleep deprivation and her loss in connection with her son. You can find Alexa on her Instagram at mama.matters.2 and her website, which I will link in the show notes as well as a free PDF that she offers to families. And with that said, let's welcome Alexa to Lead with Empathy. Hello and welcome, Alexa. I gave the audience an intro, but I wanted you to give a chance to talk about yourself and your passion caring for your moms and babies. Can you first introduce yourself any way you'd like and talk about your experience with your delivery and postpartum and what led you to this space today? Yeah, it's been a long time coming. So thank you so much for having me, first of all. Like she said, I'm Alexa. I have my postpartum doula certification and my sleep training certification. And then I also have a background in nutrition. I got my master's degree in nutrition. So that all has kind of come together to what I'm doing today. And it all plays together very interchangeably. But what I'm focusing on most now is the sleep aspect. I think a lot of what I learned in my postpartum doula certification and my nutrition certification is so helpful in the sleep aspect as well, because there's so many things that go into a healthy sleep environment and healthy sleep routines. So my background kind of started before I had my son. I got my my master's degree in nutrition and I was planning on using that um, in a different aspect. I always was interested in the mother and the child in a nutritional aspect, but I didn't really know what I was going to do with it. And then I got pregnant. So my pregnancy was extremely challenging. I had hyperemesis. So I was vomiting and extremely sick the entire pregnancy. And I had never dealt with mental health issues severely. I, I had had some anxiety before, I think a normal healthy amount of anxiety. But when I got pregnant, it was the first time that I truly, you know, experienced depression and it was debilitating. It was it was isolating. I had several people in my life that were pregnant at the same time that were loving it and really enjoying pregnancy. And I just kind of felt like robbed of the experience. But you're saying first trimester. Yeah, no, my whole pregnancy, I was. Oh, wow. So yeah, so literally until the day I had him. So it was kind of like I hung on through first trimester and I'm like, okay, like everyone's telling me it's going to get better after this and it didn't. 
And I think it just kept not getting better. And 40 weeks is so long to feel like you have the stomach flu every single all day long. And so it just kept not getting better and not getting better. And I wasn't sleeping, which, of course, lack of sleep contributes to mental health issues. But I I hated pregnancy and I really felt like I was robbed of the experience. And so when I had my son, my birth was chaotic and not what I wanted. And that's a lot of women's stories. I feel like more often than not, it doesn't go how you plan it. And so I I ended my pregnancy with preeclampsia and he was breached last minute. He was head down the whole pregnancy. And then suddenly at 38 weeks, when I went to be induced because of my preeclampsia, he had flipped. And um, they're like, wow, this never happens. Of course, it happened to me. Yeah. So ended with a C-section and it was just nothing was in my control. And I struggle with that anyway, but it was chaotic and felt like I was now robbed of my pregnancy experience and then my birth experience. And then here you just had, you know, major abdominal surgery. And I'm still recovering from months and months and months of sickness. And that's hard on your body. And then yeah, here's from the a hydration, nutrition standpoint, right. all of it. Exactly. Mentally. And I, you know, I'm going into my pregnancy with this nutrition background and I'm like reading all the books on, you know, healthy pregnancy nutrition and what I can, you know, each trimester, what you what you're supposed to eat to get the proper nutrients. And I literally could eat saltines and dry bagels. It's like, you oh know, my goodness, nothing was what I expected. And that's OK. But I went into postpartum not prepared at all. I don't think truly anything can prepare you. But just after that whole experience, and I felt like I was in a state of shock of like, OK, this nine months has been really rough. And then this birth has been really rough. And then they hand you a baby and it's like, OK, what do I do now? And so that's kind of how my postpartum started. And I really struggled with postpartum anxiety and depression. A lot of that did have to do with lack of sleep. But I think a lot of it also was just hormonal. And I felt isolated and breastfeeding didn't go as expected. My son had major gastro issues. And so it just was one thing after another, it felt like and I felt like I couldn't catch my breath. And so I just really struggled postpartum for the first few months. And once I kind of started reaching out for help and, you know, admitting how I felt and getting help from my doctor and telling my friends how I felt and just reaching out, I was extending a hand like anybody help I feel like I'm drowning and that's when it started turning around for me and you know my son was up every hour or two from birth to five months old when we decided to sleep train him so that's kind of where that aspect came into play and once we did sleep train him my sleep training experience was we followed a program that a super popular program that was great but it wasn't one-on-one I followed videos and that experience felt a little bit isolating as well because it wasn't you know, nobody was answering my questions that I had at 1am. You know, it was just every baby is so different, which, you know, we'll get into, but it's just sleep training is not a one size fits all approach. And so following those videos is great, but it was, there's always things that come up with different babies. They're different people. And so once we did figure it out and he was sleep trained, my, my mental health shifted drastically and he was happier and I was sleeping finally. And that did help absolutely. But the process of that was not ideal. And so that's when I decided to get my sleep training certification and kind of bring it all together. And I mean, my true desire is just to help other mamas that have felt the same way like that. I feel like literally that is what I was put on this earth to do. And I feel like that's why I went through what I went through, even though it wasn't 
what I would have wanted. It gave me, you know, insight into how so many moms feel after birth and kind of just lit a fire within me to try to do my best that no other moms feel that way. So no, but that's amazing because I, I hear that from, I mean, it's the same with me. My son, my second son, I've shared on social media, had something called non-IgE mediated allergies and what most medical professionals, unfortunately, would call colic and reflux. But there were a lot of underlying things and he had dairy issues and uh, he had tongue ties and we kind of dealt with that later, but he had all these things. And as much suffering as I felt I went through after that experience because of how much reading I did when I was in practice, I became almost like the guru of colic. And so like I went through that to help other women. And I do truly believe that I have mothers that I still think of. So it's the same. I, I totally feel you when you say I was put on this earth to do this and it happened for me so that way I could help other people. I think that's beautiful. So. And I was honest with you when we connected that I actually don't fully support sleep training. And I know that's awkward probably to hear, but I know why women do it, though. Um, I don't judge people who sleep train. It's just something I don't believe that, like you said, though, it's not a one size all fit approach. And I feel like I worry about red flags being missed with sleep. And that was one of the things with my own children and mother's milk being negatively impact impacted. I've seen that too. I recently just had a client who was told just really incorrect information and it would have impacted her breastfeeding experience from her pediatrician. And then I just think society in general sets an unrealistic expectation for sleep. But with that said, you said something that was important to me when we first connected and you said you felt you came out of the fog and you were able to connect with your son more. And I definitely empathize with that because that's how I felt with my first son. What was that like for you? Was it just the sleep or do you feel like it was your, I mean, now that you've given me more of a full picture, it sounds like it's also was related to your negative experience with your pregnancy and your delivery. And I think as you've, we kind of chatted before, when you've shared that you connect more with women because I think we all had those experiences. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when we first connected, I think that it would be strange to me if a parent didn't have, you know, questions about something that I was working on them with. But you have such a responsibility as a parent to like make the right decision and you know your baby the best, obviously. And so I think extremely healthy to have some sort of questions and, you know, not wanting to just listen to what somebody says that has never met your baby and just follow exactly what they're doing. And and that's kind of why I didn't love the, you know, the video approach. My baby was so different from, you know, quote unquote, average babies or and, you know, so I just want to start by saying I absolutely agree with you. I don't think that it's a one size fits all approach. So what I do is I gather all of the information and I, I typically have my clients write down what a week of sleep looks like because it's going to change day to day um, and take a sleep log, even even just a few days so that I can truly see what is happening. And a lot of times it's something that we can fix without even doing, quote unquote, like cry it out methods or, you know, people think that sleep training is just leaving your baby to cry for hours on end and, you know, not responding. And I don't believe in that approach at all. For me, it was a lot of factors that were leading to me not connecting with my son, but sleep was a major one. I've always needed more sleep than the average person, I feel like. And when you're coming into, you know, your postpartum, most women are not sleeping great, at least the last few weeks of pregnancy, you know, so it's like you're already starting being a mom exhausted and then you have this baby that's up every hour or two. And so my experience was months and months of that, of 
being up every few hours. And um, when he hit five months old and he wasn't even eating in the middle of the night, it was kind of like, okay, he wants to be rocked back to sleep. He wants pathfire replaced, whatever. It wasn't, to me, it felt like it wasn't a biological need of eating anymore, which is, you know, I always responded to his middle of the night wakes with feeding. And um, so once we kind of hit that stage, he was waking all night long and he was not happy and his daytime sleep then was a mess. And then I felt like I couldn't literally function. And like, I just felt like I was falling apart. And so the bond came when yes, when we were sleeping, but also when I was given that like confidence of like, I can do that. Like I can be a parent now that I feel like I can actually like think some women are so out of their mind. Like I understand where like postpartum psychosis comes into play. I never personally experienced that, but I did have a few moments that were really scary where I would just literally, I you're just so out of your mind, exhausted that it's yeah, like. I have seen it a few times actually postpartum psychosis. And it is it's pretty, terrifying. It is. Yeah. And it's, I think every woman experienced postpartum depression as well, differently as well. I think there's this almost thought that you're either fine or it's postpartum psychosis. Right. And there are a lot of women right. that are just in the middle, like functioning and doing okay. We're not a harm to ourselves or our children, but we're still in our own way suffering. And, and that's kind of going, when I was thinking about your story and how we were going to talk about sleep, I, I was also thinking, do you feel that you also needed someone to process your pregnancy and your delivery trauma with or did you have someone? Because I think there's something powerful about a woman just being able to talk about her birth story, especially when things, as you said, they didn't go as planned. So I almost feel like from hearing your story again from you is not only was the sleep such a huge factor, but I mean, your pregnancy with a hyperemesis, which for people don't know, it's just constant nausea and vomiting, like you said, where you're just not a stomach bug pretty much all the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there are women that need to be like hooked up to IVs. I had a friend who had an IV her entire pregnancy for medicine. And then so you're kind of grieving this, you know, where was my where was my glowing stage? I didn't have one of those. And it almost is like a grief process. And then baby's here. And then, yeah. So did you ever go through that process with anyone? Or did you, you said you reached out to some people and started to tell your story? Yeah. Yeah. I'm currently seeing a therapist. I had never seen um, a therapist at all before pregnancy. And I started seeing a therapist. Let's see. It was uh, 2021. So it's been a few years now. And so that has been a really big game changer. That's been one of the like big pieces of putting my mental health back together. The thing is, once your baby is sleeping and you, you're feeling more like yourself, it's not like it just for me, at least, it's not like I just was like, oh, I'm happy now. And I'm like, everything is fixed. And because I'm getting sleep. Yes, a lot of things were fixed. But it was almost like I had time and the like mental capacity to like process what I had been through once I was sleeping. And it was like, oh, my goodness, you know, my body and my brain and like, I've been through so much. And so once I was able to come out of that fog and see more clearly, I still had that, you know, underlying anxiety and depression that I had just kind of masked with not thinking about it and just trying to power through. And you're in survival mode. I felt like I was in survival mode for six straight months. It was like just constant fight or flight, just ready. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I think and, and thank you for saying that, because I think that's what you're so realistic about it, because. I think, unfortunately, there are some sleep training programs and different things that say, you know, you get your sleep and then life just changes. And you're just being honest that, no, it's not yep. like all of a sudden magically with a wave of a wand, my child was sleeping through the night and my depression and anxiety went away. 
No, that's not true. It's just obviously, yeah, the sleep factor for so many people is so hard. And I I understand that because my children are not natural born sleepers. They have a lot of sensory needs. They have a lot of attachment needs. You know, two of them had more medical issue side. And I think I just love that you're realistic about that because it's not a one size fits all, like you said, but then also it's it's so hard because it's not just about the sleep. I think it's also about then how you process everything. And I'm glad and thank you for sharing your counseling, too, because. And I say, yeah, absolutely. Um, therapy has been, um, I mean, a mate, I'm do- also doing EMDR. I don't know if you're familiar with yep. that the eye movements that has been amazing as well. So it's it's so many different pieces. Yes, like sleep training can be great. And it, it I fully believe in it. But I think that there are when I'm meeting with a, a client for the first time, I'm getting to know, you know, their specific baby's temperament, how many times they're eating at the in the middle of the night. If like you said, like, breastfeeding. If the mom is wanting to keep a middle of the night feed, we're going to do that. I am never going to ask a mother to do something she's not comfortable with. It is her child. She knows her baby best. Yes, I'm there to guide her and show her, you know, the best way that we can work around, you know, those middle of the night feeds if she wants to keep them or something like that. Or like I've had clients that bed share and it's it is a little bit harder to do sleep training with bed sharing. But a lot of my clients continue co-sleeping, having their baby in the same room. Um, And that's I mean, more often than not, I feel like my clients keep their babies in the same room as them, even if they're not bed sharing. But I think that I take everything into consideration before I'm I'm taking, like you said, like health issues. Like some babies have like those underlying health issues. You said something about how he had those underlying issues that were masked as colic and reflux. And we were diagnosed with silent reflux and, you know, all these different things. And it was a milk allergy. He did have a severe uh, milk protein allergy. But it was a lot of, you know, like, oh, he's just colicky. He'll grow out of it. Yeah. And I think that's where my and please don't take this wrong, because, again, I think it's also the word training for me. You know, like I prefer like sleep consultant or things because and I I look at you more that way because you're not telling me this. I'm going to tell you how to train your baby to sleep. And I feel like there is that mentality. And I look at yeah, I know you're using it because that's the jargon, but. I do see you as more of a sleep consultant because you're supporting women wherever they are and helping them to get whatever level of optimum sleep is going to be for them. But I think that's, again, where my issue in general with the social media side and hearing different things is I know so much gets ignored. And having a baby that went through those things and a third child that kind of went through something similar, I'm just always hesitant to put this blanket statement because as you were talking, I'm going, Again, this is just my brain working. I'm like, well, she if she needed a C-section and then that impacts our baby's microbiome and then, and, yeah. and then you're talking about gut issues and I'm thinking this is just the way my brain works. I go, I bet that baby had like a cow's milk protein allergy and yeah, this is yeah, where my yeah. head goes. And, it, and then it gets, as you said, pushed off to silent, re, you know, as just quote unquote reflux or colic. And so, but I, I again, I, I have such an appreciation for what you do because I know at the end of the day, what you're doing is to support a woman like you. You knew where you were at five months. And I was kind of at that stage at like eight months with my first, where I was just in this fog. So when you said that to me or messaged that to me, I connected with that so much because I felt like I remember sitting outside with my son on the grass and he's playing ball and he's smiling and he's happy. And I'm just kind of looking at him and not feeling that same happiness or joy. And it was because of a significant sleep deprivation. And there were also other underlying things, but. Just thank you for saying that again, because I think that yeah, you articulated that pretty well. 
I remember telling my husband where he was a few months old and we were sitting on the couch vividly. I remember looking at my husband and going, do you ever feel like we're babysitting him? Like it literally in my brain, it was like, yep, not my child. Like I knew he was my child, of course, and I wanted what was best for him and I loved him. But it was like my brain just could not make that connection. connection. It sounds so bad, but I think so it many does. people, it, it, I think saying that out loud is hard, but I think so many women are going to resonate with that where they just feel like I'm just present, but I'm not really right. bonding. And that's what I told you I read. I was looking at your website and you wrote a blog post about baby won't sleep unless being held. And I just love that you said you're you're trying to help women find that balance of getting sleep, but also giving yourself and your baby some grace, right? Like you, you want to give them that grace that sometimes they do just want to be held. And that is also very biologically normal. Absolutely. No, I totally agree. I think it's really, like I said, like it's so intricate, just all the different pieces that, and I'm not a medical professional, so I will never give medical advice. And that's not my place. And so before we even begin anything, I always make sure that if my client does want to, you know, cut out night feeds, or if that's what they want to do, I always have them check with their pediatrician first and make sure that that the baby's growing correctly and that they're biologically ready. And and I don't even I I work with newborns, but it's not quote unquote sleep training. I, I like what you said. I am my title is sleep consultant. And so um, that is, yeah, that is my title. But we're not working on sleep training with a baby that's under five months old ever. It's more so just setting appropriate routines. And yeah, let's go into that a little bit because I like to give the audience to like tangible, tactical things if a mother is listening and they're like, okay, she's had this experience. This is where I am. Where can I even start? And I think routines is a great sleep hygiene and routines no matter the age really from newborn through to every age group, sleep routines for women, um, for for anyone, adults. So can we talk a little bit when you have a client, if I'm coming to you, what are you talking about when it comes to sleep routines and good sleep hygiene? Yeah, I think that it's like we've been saying this whole time, it is very different for each family. We, you know, sometimes it's a stay-at-home mom that's with her baby all day long and the routine's going to look much different than a baby that's in daycare and, you know, going down for naps in a daycare setting and somebody that might not follow wake windows and things like that, that a parent would, it gets tricky there. And so it's different for every single family and that's okay. And so the theme of this whole podcast is there's not a one size fits all approach. Yeah. And they're really not for routines because it's every family is so different. You know, you have some families that have older kiddos that have sports all night and you're out late. And that's just I'm not going to sit there and tell you you can't live your life, but we can still put healthy routines in place. So how I approach it is looking at the whole picture, how the family is, you know, the, the the family structure, what their day-to-day looks like if mom and dad both work, if one of them stays home, it's going to look different. But just, you know, seeing if we can follow wake windows for sure. And that's, wake windows is not always a thing that I follow um, verbatim because like, for example, my son, like when he was supposed to be switching to one nap and having longer wake windows, he just wasn't ready. And so he was on two naps a lot longer than most babies his age. And so I think it's just reading your baby's cues and seeing, you know, when they're making sure they're not getting overly tired and putting them down when they're, you know, in that state of I could sleep right now, but I'm not screaming my head off. So following baby's cues, 
letting them take the lead a little bit because it is, I mean, sleep is a biologically normal thing. It's not something you're not, tra- like, like you said, you're not training them to sleep. Like they know how to sleep. It's just helping them get there the easiest way because when you're overly tired, you're just not going to sleep as well. And that's just a fact. And so just assisting them in the normal process of sleeping and um, helping them finding the wake windows, I would say, is the biggest thing. And then also just having a routine before bed or before nap that kind of signals in baby's brain, okay, it's starting you know, we're winding down, sleep is coming next and not just putting them right down and saying, okay, good night. You know, it's giving them the opportunity to wind down and, and signal in their brain. Babies can recognize routines as early as eight weeks. So it's like, you know, at two months old, if you want to start introducing a bath every other night and then um, reading books every night and like a baby massage or something like that, it's going to, again, it's going to be different for every family, but introducing a routine before bed, it can be three minutes long, it could be 30 minutes long, but something that signals to baby that sleep is coming and then just supporting them in their making sure that they're getting the appropriate amount of day sleep is a big one because if a baby is not or they're getting too much day sleep, it's going to mess up the whole night. So making sure that their naps are correct and, you know, following those wake windows. And then also just like you said, like giving yourself grace. You're not going into this saying, I'm going to follow this exact routine and my baby's going to sleep all night long. And that's just not how it plays out most of the time. And giving yourself and your baby some grace, your baby is learning just as much as you are. They're brand new to the world. They're learning so much every day. It's insane. And so giving them some grace and saying, okay, I'm just going to help assist them in this process. I'm not going to expect them to just learn this right off the bat. I'm going to just do what I can to help them learn. And also understanding, I think then when we say sleep routine, people think, oh, that means if I do a bath, I read a book, I put them in their pajamas and put them down. And I consistently do that for, I don't know, four weeks, then they'll go to sleep. Unfortunately, it's not always that way. And that's okay too. It's not so, you know, we've had routines with our kids since they were born, but then you add different kids into the mix. And as you said, you add sports, you add different things. That routine may change and you may need to adjust it. And the goal is not to say, I'm going to follow this routine and then, you know, they're going to sleep perfectly at night. It's just over time, it does, something does click. And that's what, you know, my four-year-old now is my best sleeper, the one that was the worst sleeper. But we followed a routine and now there's something in his brain. He likes the warm tub, which is fine. We don't do soap, but he does it pretty much every night. It's kind of like his calm down thing. He doesn't really need a book. The tub is his thing. And then maybe he'll read a book and then he lays on his side and he's asleep like in no time. And so I just always want women to understand and know it doesn't mean at four months old, you start this routine for two days and it's going to work. But I do ultimately believe that a routine for all of us can help to signal the brain. Um, And I'm reading a book about it, interestingly, too, that it, it talks about that and how we can signal our brain. And so it's no different for an infant or a four year old or an adult. You're setting that child up for success for sleep. And that doesn't mean you're going to sleep seven to seven. It just means you're setting them up even for the future. It's a piece of a much bigger puzzle. It's mm-hmm. just, you know, when and when you put all of those little pieces together, it's it's amazing what can happen. But it's it's just little things here and there that you're setting your child up for success. And that's uh, what I tell my families yeah. that my my kids, you know, if I have friends that reach out who've had babies and things and I just say, you've got to set those routines. Really, I feel like the routines are for the parent too, right? The routines yeah. are because, yeah. you know, if you've never had a baby or this is your first baby and you didn't have a routine before, now you really, this is for the parents for you to understand. You've got to in- implement this routine and that may mean 
missing out on the nighttime activities and leaving a barbecue early and all of those things because you need that routine and so does your kid. And we were married to that routine and we still kind of are. It was so funny before we had our son, some of our best friends were very strict on, you know, we have to be home by seven and whatever. And I remember my husband being like, oh, we're not going to be that way. And I'm like, you said that now. Well, and like, I didn't even have kids yet, but I was like, I feel like we might. Yeah, we're here. You know, it's like so easy to say without from the outside. Yeah. And that's what I tell people like, you don't know what their sleep routine, you know, you don't know how for me it's I'm married to that routine because if not, I don't maybe get optimum sleep. And I'm, oh my gosh. Yes. I, I remember, I mean, still, if my son goes to bed too late, he's up even earlier. And it's like sometimes there are special circumstances. You're not always going to follow a routine perfectly. But yeah, if I'm going to leave a a barbecue a little bit early, like you said, it's not the end of the world. I'd rather do that than be up every hour, you know, during the night and keep my baby on his routine. And so there's that tricky balance of trying to still live your life and not missing out on any, you know, major moments. If you're having a family reunion with family you haven't seen in 10 years, maybe don't leave early. But if you're having a hangout with friends that you see all the time, it's okay to be the one that's like, I'm sorry, guys, we got to head home. My baby's tired. I need to keep him on, you know, that same schedule. So it's it's trying to find that balance. And that's a little bit tricky. But, you, you know, you get in the routine of things and it's really hard to break right. that. And it's hard for moms, I think, to make that transition. But just hearing yeah. that it is normal, like when a mom leaves early because her kid has to be oh in gosh, bed yeah. by or it doesn't matter the age, it's we yeah. don't judge yeah. because we get it. And mm. we just understand and you will find that pattern for yourself. And I think the wake windows thing for infants in particular is a good place to start. But as you've said, they're not rigid. They're not, oh, oh this is yeah. how it has to be. As you said, for your child, you know, your child needed two naps longer. My toddler still just takes one nap, but my other kids stopped napping. It was way too early, like eight yeah. months. <laughs> I was way too early. But I think understanding that these wake windows give you information and they help, but they are right. not rigid. It, it's a starting point. Yeah. It's a starting point. Yeah, exactly. And I did want to touch base too real quick because we've obviously talked about sleep and that's your specialty, but I also want to talk about nutrition because you have a nutrition background and I mean, you had hyperemesis too. So, and then preeclampsia, but I want to talk about nutrition in the postpartum period because I don't think we talk about that enough for women. And, you know, we focus on the baby and what they need, right? But we also need to focus on what we need. And I couldn't tell you how many women I saw that even when it came to breastfeeding and their supply, and I'd say, well, are you eating? And they'd kind of smile and say, I mean, kind of. And I'd say, well, if you're supporting not only your healing body, but trying to fuel this baby, you know what, regardless if you're breastfeeding or not, because even a formula fed baby, you need to support your baby. You had surgery. You need to support that, that healing. So What are your quick tips and thoughts on postpartum nutrition? To play into this, I got my postpartum doula certification as well about a year ago because I felt like my title right now is sleep consultant, but my goal is to support the mother in any stage of life. So I also do like really have a focus on like mom's mental health and well-being in the sleep consulting process. And so that's where my background comes from. And so I got my postpartum doula certification because I really do want to be able to support a mom nutritionally, emotionally, physically at all the things postpartum. And you're postpartum for a very, like you're not just postpartum for a few weeks after having a baby. Like you're postpartum for, like some studies say 
a year, the first year of life. Some studies say the first two years. I've heard it all, all over the map. But the point is you're postpartum for a very long time. And, you know, your body is not the same or bouncing back for at least a year you know, even hormonally. And so how I kind of tied all of that together is, yeah, supporting the mom's healing body. And yes, like you said, whether you're breastfeeding or not. So I, I wrote an ebook. It's free. It's on my website. But I did write an ebook on how to prepare for postpartum, how to prep your freezer and your... Oh, awesome. Okay. Free. Yeah. So I do have that on my website. And I, I can send you a link to that for you to... Yeah, that would be great. notes or whatever. Yeah. So I do have that and it, it's made for, you know, end of pregnancy to start preparing for postpartum, but it can definitely be used the whole postpartum period as well. So I'm a big believer on like warming, nourishing. Mm-hmm. And I read it's like the 40 days, po- 40 yes. days. I know yeah. what you're talking um, about. I didn't personally do it, but my friend did. And it's talked a lot about that and the like warm, nourishing I, foods. Yeah. And I wish I had that for my pregnancies. Right. I, I had no idea. And that's the thing is your doctors aren't telling you any of this. It's just yeah, I'll have to link that. I'll link that too, because if I can Absolutely. find it, because I've heard, I've heard wonders about it's, that book too. It's amazing. I wish that I read that before. And, you know, again, I like my capacity was not great during my pregnancy, but most women, it, you know, they're able to read and prepare a little bit better if they're not going through, you know, hyperemesis or medical issues during pregnancy. But A big thing that I feel like I missed was because I was so sleep deprived and because I was coming from a uh, stance of not really eating for nine months, I kind of still felt nauseous for a few months after having my son. I wasn't vomiting. It wasn't anything compared to what pregnancy was, but it was just, I just didn't feel good. You feel like you don't have enough time. And so you're eating quick, fast meals. And a lot of times that's a smoothie or a salad or something that's, or a sandwich that's cold and harsh. And that's all fine and dandy, but it's not great for your insides and it does not support the healing process. So that's not to say that you all you can consume for months on end is warm foods and that's it. No, but it's but, it's preparing. It's like having things. And if people are going to make you exactly. things, just those warm like crock right, like things. And broths and yep. yeah, like casseroles, grain, like grain bowls, stuff like that. It's just it's such a game changer. And I've, you know, seen my my friends go through this and I've given them that advice. And it's I'm the one that I'm going to be like in your kitchen, like making casseroles and, and bone broth and putting it in your stocking, your freezer. Like, I love that. That's my yeah. favorite. Oh, that's wonderful because it is it's supporting so much more than again. I totally get it. It's quick and easy. But I was guilty of with my first and then I caught myself the second and third. It's like you wake up and uh, egg sandwiches. It's not the egg sandwich. I make an egg sandwich. But I'd always have like coffee with a lot of creamer in it. And then about 10 o'clock, I'd start to crash because newborn moms, you know, you're up at 430. So then about 10 o'clock, I'd get this crash. And what did I reach for? Something quick and easy. Well, it was this like coffee cake that I would make and then and more coffee. So it's sugar, 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 right? Versus like, what if I had replaced that with like a warm bone broth, which I know for some people, I'm not one to sit there and sit bone broth, but. I could put, you know, carrots in it, make it like a soup, you know, a warm. Right. Or you can eat like rice or a grain, like quinoa. You can cook a grain in bone broth instead of yeah. water. Replace the water. It is a superfood. And yeah. Really and just, just replacing and thinking about how you can replace your day with right. good nutritive foods and water. Obviously, hydration is important and minerals, which like I, I do adrenal cocktails and things, which were a game changer for me when yeah. I was postpartum, which is like I add a little sea salt, potassium, vitamin C. Those are definitely things that I needed extensively postpartum and magnesium. 
But I also, I hear you and I agree with, we need things in our diet that are so much more than just the quick salad. And a lot of that comes back to the not bouncing back. Understand you don't need to eat a salad. Your body's not going to, nor should it bounce back that quick after. I don't even know how to define bounce back, but yeah, everyone knows what I mean when yeah. I say that. But your body truly needs a ton more protein, just a ton more calories. Uh, yeah. Linking back to your first postpartum experience, do you think nutrition was a factor? I think I was so nutritionally deficient that it was just I needed and, and but I didn't again, I, I, I still didn't feel great. And so it was just reaching for quick sugar and quick cold things. And it was just like I never like sat down and had a meal, like a warming, nutrient dense meal. And Nor I were you educated about that. You know, it's not right. like, OK, you're postpartum. I'm sending you home with this baby that now I've not taught you how to manage sleep. And then, you know, also sitting down and saying, you went through nine months of depleting yourself and this is how you're going to do it. So final kind of going off of that, more of a final question, but I want you to go back and think, okay, you're four days postpartum, you're in pain, you're exhausted, you're overwhelmed. For you, you were nauseous, you were nutrient depleted, you were name it, right? What do you tell yourself if you go back in time? What would you say to that woman that just had a baby? What would you tell her? Yeah, this is this is my favorite question. I love this so much because it, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, but it is something that I wish somebody had told me these things. And so number one is it gets better is what I would tell myself. And I kind of felt in that fog of, okay, well, this is just my life. Now I'm just going to be, you know, nutritionally deficient and exhausted and in a fog forever. Like that's just, it's just my life now. And that's just so not true. And that's, but it truly felt that way in the thick of it. And so number one, it gets better and your body was made for this and it's going to work itself out, but we can do the things that we can to support it in the meantime, but your hormones will get better. Everything gets better. Number two was a big one. Don't sweat the small stuff, especially as a first time mom. I feel like you can get so caught up in the little things. And like I said, like wake windows as a first time mom, I was trying so hard to follow wake windows and to follow um, all these little things that were not what my son needed. And so it was you were ignoring yes. your instincts because you were going, exactly. you were being so rigid. Yeah, right. And so, you know, Yes, following things that can make your day easier, but also trusting your instincts and not getting caught up on the little things that just don't matter in the big in the big picture. And, you know, that ties into it gets better. Like it's a phase. It's a time period. This two chapter. Happen. It's a very difficult yep. chapter. Exactly. It's a difficult chapter. Yep, exactly. So the third thing I would say is routines are important, but not everything. So yes, stick to a routine and do what you can, like I said, but don't feel like it's end all be all. And the the final thing I would say is tying back into earlier what we were talking about, giving yourself some grace. And, you know, if you want to have your baby sleep on you, have your baby sleep on you. That There is nothing wrong with that. But also, if you feel guilty for letting your baby sleep in their bassinet, don't. If you need a second and you need some, everybody needs some space. Just give yourself some grace. It, your your baby's going to be fine. In order for you to show up as the best mom that you can be, you need to give yourself some space and some grace there as well. And having grace with your baby, like I said, and your partner, because your partner is going through this too. It's not just, it can be really easy to be like, well, I went through pregnancy and childbirth and all that. And that is very true. But your partner also is learning and becoming a parent also. So giving everybody in the family unit some grace for sure. 
That's beautiful because I totally agree with that. That's a beautiful way to end. And I also want to give you a second to tell people where they can find you. Could you give us your Instagram, your website and all of that? Yeah. And on my website, I do have I have the free ebook on postpartum nutrition. And then I also have um, a free ebook on sleep. And so just kind of like a good place to just begin is in that ebook. And it has a big component on mental health as well in there. So mama's mental health. So that's all on my website completely free. My website is mamamatters2.com. So it's M-A-M-A matters T-O-O.com. And then my Instagram is mama.matters.2. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Alexa. It was lovely connecting with you. We were just talking before that it was great. to. It's always great to connect with women on social media in a different way, in a positive way. Otherwise, I never would have met you. So I know. Yes, I love it. And just feeling not so alone, too, in this motherhood journey. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening in today. And I hope you'll be back. Stay curious, stay humble, and always lead with empathy. Please also take a moment to share this episode with someone, this podcast, write a review or comment on my latest Instagram post at hollylogan underscore health. Thank you. Have an awesome day.